I haven't spoken sitting down in years. About 25 years ago, I had a, a blood clot, and I flew out to Arizona, and I was supposed to speak four different nights, and they decided to move it all, seven speeches on a Sunday, so I had to sit doing the whole thing. But uh, anyway, thrilled to be here. Uh, what a wonderful presentation that Mark Massey made at the Lord's Supper just a few minutes ago. Wonderful. Mark was one of my students. His son, Seth, uh, I think the tense here some, and uh, the very first game that Seth pitched for Lipscomb down at Jackie Robertson Stadium uh, in Daytona Beach, my son David, who's with us, was the catcher. It was David's first game to catch and uh, Seth's first game to pitch. We have uh, kind of three special guests. There's a lot of special guests, I'm sure, but three that I uh, uh, hoping could make it here. Sam Masters, where are you, Sam? I'm not sure where. Okay. Sam uh, is from Cookville, and he drove all the way to hear me speak. That was very, very kind of him. Um, Daniel uh, Cook is with us. He uh, works at Demas. Some of you have seen him. He is uh, one of the very, he's sitting with Juanita there on her right. David's sitting on her left. Uh, uh, Daniel is an outstanding waiter. And uh, I probably won't be able to get him anymore because after I make this announcement, he'll probably already be booked when we get there. But we're, but we're taking Daniel out to eat today. Daniel was baptized a few months ago uh, at uh, Green Ridge. Is that where you were baptized and uh, he took the day off just to come and, and be with us. So, so we're thrilled to have him. And then my son David uh, drove up this morning uh, to, to be with us. And, and we're always excited to see him. We see him, get to see him a lot, but we're glad he lives in Franklin also. But we're thrilled to see him. I had a very... I didn't have a difficult time picking out what I was going to speak on today, but but I kept thinking of other lessons and kind of shifted there. One of them was uh, one summer I took the summer off between congregations and uh, coached baseball. We traveled a lot. David was on the team. And uh, I had a sermon I put together called Loving the Unlovely. And Juanita liked it so much, I was guest speaking all summer in Middle Tennessee. She wanted me to say, how about Loving Down Loving? That's what I spoke last week. She said, yeah, but it's a different congregation. So I delivered it seven times that summer. So I, so I love, she loved that sermon. Uh, but I want to do something a little different, and uh, if I don't hit the wrong buttons, I, let's go ahead, this was Stan's idea, <laughs> as Rodney has gone <laughs> So Stan put the PowerPoint together, so anything strange about the PowerPoint, that stands. Uh, so the sermon is about me. I don't like sermons about me, but the sermon is about me. But I hope when I'm finished, it'll be about all of us. And I, uh, this was when I was in high school. And the reason that I, I'll tell you why I put this up there later. I was 19 years old, and... Uh, uh, things that happened to change my life in a couple of years before. And that's kind of what this sermon is all about. I was 19. I had been uh, 
I was uh, in bed for 11 months in the fourth grade, so my, my brother caught up with me, and so we graduated together, but I was 19 there. And uh, a year ago, a year ago last night, uh, it was actually Friday night, I guess, but date-wise, a year ago, there was a dinner for me uh, at Lipscomb, and I would have loved to have had more of you people there, but we only had a hundred places. It was, it was a dinner, and put on the Bible department, and there were so many. They told me that you know we're going to invite the Bible faculty, we're going to invite this person, that person. You can only invite a few people, so we did invite some of our elders and some other people, like John Michael and the staff, and just several former students of mine. So we didn't do that, and the uh, uh, it was it was a wonderful occasion, but s- some things happened that were uh, unusual. Less than June were there, as I pointed out, and Mike Ryan made a speech on behalf of the elders, and they established a scholarship in my name, and so Mike made a, a wonderful speech about Juanita and me, and the great thing about it was that uh, Juanita got honored that night just as much as I did, and, and she fully enjoyed that and, and, and deserved that. So, anyway... Something else happened that night that caused this sermon. There, was, uh, there were uh, four people on a, span, uh, on a panel speaking. There was, uh, Stan was one of those four on the panel. Walt Lever emceed it. And then Dr. Mark Cobb, they wanted him to be on the panel, and he said, I can't be on the panel and speak three or four minutes. You've got to give me 15 minutes. And they didn't tell him until we got there that night. He didn't know if he was speaking. He's the one that picked us up and, and took us to the dinner. He didn't know if he'd be speaking or not until we got there. It was on the, plat- on, on, on the uh, uh, little booklet that showed the program. He was on the program, and they gave him 15 minutes. And Mark said, I won't be able to deliver this speech uh, without reading it. So he had written it out. And so... Uh, Anyway, uh, so here's Dr. Cobb. He is a brain surgeon, simple way to put it, in Columbia, uh, Tennessee. He did his, uh, he came to Lipscomb as a young man of, uh, well, he, he, he was at Overton High. He was a, uh, I think a junior, sophomore, junior, when he came to our youth program, and he wouldn't have even come if, we had, if I hadn't offered Greek. But he, he appeared on the scene. And, uh, he uh, just started, he was, he was like a sponge, and just started uh, studying together with me. He, I taught a class at uh, Murfreesboro at the uh, Christian Student Center there uh, in Harding's name, a three-hour class. He drove down every Thursday night with me for that. And anyway, he, he went on and did his last work. At, he actually majored in uh, Lipscomb as the... Uh, yeah, but he t- tells this story right here. But he majored, uh, well, I'll come back to that in just a second. Let's talk about this. I knew about his academic career. I knew that all of us, the, the faculty, were just so impressed with what he did and, and, and how he just wanted, I almost invited him today. I came very, came very close to that. But anyway, in the process, what I didn't know was this part of his life. I had no idea that he said he got into several fights and he threw the first punch at every fight. Uh, he's going to be the valedictorian, I think, in the next year. This must have been his junior year. 
But anyway, there are other things that happened. And his life was kind of a mess. And he just happened to come over to Paul Tucker and chatted with him. And Paul Tucker baptized him. And then, but he wasn't interested in the youth group. I had a hundred and about 180 kids in my youth group. 90, 10th through college, 97 through 9. And so we had a tremendous number of kids that he just was always there after that, always there, always helpful. Came on, went on to Lipscomb and majored, uh, double majored in biblical languages, Greek and Hebrew and mathematics. Got a master's at Vanderbilt. And anyway, uh, what hit me so hard and what brought tears to my eyes, and I was telling somebody about this the other day, and I got choked up on the phone telling about this. But Mark, uh, in the middle of his speech, all of a sudden he said, my life was a mess. And then I came, came into his life. Well, I didn't know this. I mean, I knew I came into his life, and I knew I helped him academically, but anybody could have helped him academically. He was that kind of student. But I had no idea. And several other people said something like that uh, that night. And those things I didn't know. I mean, you should have known, but I, I guess I didn't know that. And that's true with a lot of you. You're going to find out, hopefully, this lesson. And so, uh, anyway, uh, you know, Mark just was, uh, uh, it's, it still shocks me when I look back and think of it. We're going to talk about that kind of thing. There are people that you affect in your life that you don't even know that you're affecting. And that is so important. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Less talked about, you know, don't cause anyone to stumble last week and uh, how important that is. And sometimes you don't know that you've caused people to stumble. Well, one of my favorite characters is King David. Uh, uh, talk about him a lot. Uh, we have... Uh, uh, he, he takes up half of 1 Samuel, all of 2 Samuel, many chapters in 1 and First Corinthians. Uh, he's just all over the place in the Old Testament. Moses and, and uh, uh, David dominate page after page after page in the Old Testament. There are like 40 straight chapters just in Samuel about David. And this is an archaeological find. I remember uh, when I went to Israel in my first trip in 92. Uh, we were at Dan in January of 93, and I remember walking. This was under the ground. I walked right by it, not knowing it was there. And my university, Hebrew Union, was digging there. But anyway, they found the name David on that. So there's tremendous th- uh, things about David. And, and Stan and I have been doing We did, I don't know how many weeks we sit on David's life in the auditorium there. But all you usually hear about is David and Goliath or David and Bathsheba is usually what you hear. So we want to we want to talk about uh, we want to talk about the bad father, the terrible father that David was. His influence was uh, positive in many cases. His influence was bad in this case right here. And uh, what happened, of course, as you know, he had the affair with Bathsheba. But I want to talk about not the affair, not all of the three of the Ten Commandments he broke. There, I want to talk about how it influenced his family. And I think this is really, really important. As his children saw what he did, they decided to do whatever they wanted to do. Amnon seduced his half-sister, Tamar, and then threw her out of the house. 
she ripped her garments because her life had been changed. Her life was from this time on would be different. She would have been given probably to some prince or some high official or something or maybe married a king of another country. But now she's in disgrace and she's, uh, she's been spoiled. And that was the way they thought back then. And so therefore, uh, her life was basically ruined out of his selfish attitude and just the very nasty attitude. David did nothing about it. David couldn't call him in and say, you know, Amnon, it was a horrible thing to do. He would have said, yeah, Dad, a horrible thing to do. You mean like Uriah the Hittite, one of your commanders that you had murdered, husband of Bathsheba? So David said nothing. And then Absalom, the full brother of Tamar, worked out a plan, assassinated, uh, murdered, basically, his brother uh, Amnon, and ran off to his grandfather in a kingdom just northeast of the Sea of Galilee. David finally brought him back home. But again, the rest of his life, he does some terrible things. He, he overthrows, tries to overthrow David, chases him out of town, sleeps with his concubines, does a lot of things, and finally ends up being killed himself. Uh, but David still loves these children. You still love them. And when David had to flee and go across the river Jordan uh, to the city of Machanayim, and wait there, his soldiers then had a battle with, with Absalom and killed him. And David was so torn up when he heard he was killed. He just, they were at the city gate. He sent the soldiers out. He went to his, uh, he went to a room in the palace there that had been the capital at one time of the northern kingdom. He went and wept. And his soldiers, as they came back into the palace, uh, into the city, they heard that. And they just crept in. They snuck in. So Joab, his nephew Joab, just went and ate him alive. He said, if, if Absalom were still alive and we were all dead, you'd be happy. A terrible thing. So David goes out and greets the soldiers. But anyway, this is just, just a little inkling, just a little hint of uh, what was going on there. Uh, and the influence he had. So I want to tell you, this is not a happy thing to tell you but I think you need I think you need to tell we need to tell our children what we did and things my mother remarried my dad died when I was uh, seven years old in Huntsville Alabama and we moved to Muncie Indiana my mother uh, remarried when I was uh, 15 and my brother Doug who teaches uh, who taught at Pepper died and different places uh, was 14 and we moved to Lakehurst New Jersey and uh, 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 and we had a hard time. Our stepfather had never had children. Navy officer. He was one of the sailors pulling into Hindenburg when it caught on fire, by the way, in 1937. Uh, but anyway, we moved there in 1950. And he drank like a sailor. He cussed like a sailor. And uh, he was difficult to live with. Very, very, we had some hard times. And one night when I was uh, about 17, uh, I came home from football practice. And if you missed, if you missed dinner, you missed dinner. And he would put a, let mother put a plate uh, on the table for me, uh, maybe warm it up and, and uh, eat. And so I accepted that, went on with that. But a fight broke out between the two of them. Uh, 
he, she just kept pounding and he just kept pounding and he was abusing her and so I decided to put my shotgun together and went to my room, put my shotgun together, my hunting right, my shotgun and I was going to chase him out of the house. Uh, I didn't load it. He, uh, he didn't know it would. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you more about that in a minute. I didn't load it, but while I'm putting it together, the door opens and two policemen are standing there and we are put in two different squad cars and lights blaring all the way downtown to the courthouse. The judge gets out of bed and uh, he, first of all, hit got out of bed at like 11 o'clock at night. And he gave Dad a very, very strong lecture. And then he turned to me. And this is, this is what he said to me. If you had pulled the trigger. Now, he didn't know the gun was, you know, wasn't loaded, but I, I did. He said, if you had pulled the trigger, your life would have been changed completely from now on. I never forgot that. If you just pull that trigger, the gun loaded, pull the trigger. And so uh, they kept my shotgun. They, they, they did put us in jail. Uh, it was an embarrassing moment for many ways. I had been, our school only had one student they honored every year as, as citizen of the year, and I'd won it two straight years. And Dad and I did speak for six weeks. That was a pleasure. But... Things began to happen after, after this happened. Uh, Stan put this in there, and, and just like, like just a couple of parts of it here. It says, put off your old self. And it goes down near the end and, and put on the new self. And for some reason, a few weeks later, things began to change in my life. And so uh, uh, the... Uh, Okay, first of all, because I had a very dedicated mother, very unbelievable mother, who uh, only went through the sixth grade, but uh, whatever job she had, she rose. She started working in New Jersey at the uh, cafeteria there, and in the three or four years, she was uh, over that cafeteria and over 18 cafeterias. She became the union negotiator for all the teachers and uh, all the janitors in the whole city school system there in Tom's River, New Jersey, where we had moved. And anyway, mother was just a, a, a very unusual, dedicated, sacrificial mother. She worked before they, she married dad and my stepfather. She worked uh, two shifts, Ball Brothers and Muncie, Indiana, just get some mother. And she came here for several years before she died, as you know. She was a, she remain the influence, steady influence that helped me through that whole situation. My high school math teacher was named uh, Edward Kushnick and uh, my junior year near the end uh, several months after this other thing happened, he said, oh by the way you're going to be the math teacher next year uh, we never had a substitute teacher at Tom's River High uh, very highly ranked public school but whenever the teacher had to be gone for any reason a senior taught. I taught all six classes that whole next year. Every time Mr. Kustick was gone, I was the teacher. I was in two of the classes. And so I was in six classes. And he wanted me to go to Princeton, get my bachelor's. I wasn't even going to college. I was just going to go to work. I'm not sure what I was going to do. But anyway, I started planning to go to school. We found a tremendous youth group 
30 miles west of us, uh, almost in Philadelphia. Uh, and uh, uh, we found this, uh, this great youth group, and five of them uh, were coming to Lipscomb. And so I'd never heard of Lipscomb. Even though mother was born in Woodbury, I was uh, born in Huntsville. I really never heard of Lipscomb. So we came down to visit uh, Christmas time and then enrolled. And of course, uh, there are other factors. I'll come back to Lipscomb in just a minute. But started preaching 66 years ago. And uh, uh, godly elders, uh, wonderful Christian people like that are here. Uh, in this congregation uh, helped change my life and influenced me. Uh, at Lipscomb, there was, uh, there was Dr. Uh, Baxter, Basil Barrett Baxter. I had nine courses with Dr. Baxter. Great influence on me. Robert Kurse headed the math department. Bob Kurse was just a, a marvelous person. He and I, when I came back from getting with my doctorate, he and I preached together at Pennington Bend Church. And then Dr. Harvey Floyd changed my whole outlook on scripture and taught me what grace really meant. And there, there were others. And uh, one of the things that uh, Mark Cobb said in his speech, I meant to call him up this week. He, he lives, has a, he has a house in, South, in Green Hills, and he also uh, does surgery in Columbia. Uh, if you ever need your brain worked on, he's the guy. He's the guy. He is unbelievable, wonderful, wonderful person. And every time I see him, I see somebody, I ran into a lady at Olive Garden uh, that, oh, I used to work with Dr. Oh, he is wonderful. And the same thing happened to me when I, I remember when I had uh, my eye surgery. Nurses, she was from Columbia. I said, no, Mark. Oh, Dr. Cobb. So that's the story. That's his, his, his change of his life was just incredible. But like I say, I didn't know the first part. I didn't know the other part. But anyway, he said he never went to surgery without the Lipscomb faculty going with him. So that's the influence that Lipscomb had on his life. Uh, so, and then there's Juanita uh, sitting down here between David and Daniel. And uh, just I could, a whole sermon needs to pre- be preached about her. But anyway, uh, this is before I met her. But she was always been a great influence. And uh, uh, the, the young people, I want to say something to the young people here and right here. You don't know what your influence is doing for people. Uh, you, a lot of people's lives are changed, and you don't know that. Uh, I remember when Mark Mass and I became friends at, uh, at Lipscomb. Uh, he started coming to my Bible classes, and... Uh, uh, he, he, he was just such a students also help you and help the professors out and uh, Mark was such a, a blessing this was I, I think I was speaking at Pennington Bend I became the youth director there and uh, but a lot of young people at that congregation in New Jersey and then thereafter have been a tremendous help but you never know your actions people are watching you you don't know they're watching but they're watching you and how you eat, how uh, how you dress, how you treat people, and uh, anyway, uh, Stan put this in, and we uh, that caught by surprise. But I thought, well, I'll leave it in. Uh, this, of course, this is just a few years ago. Uh, Dorian is now about twenty. Uh, he was 
his mother worked at the post office here. He was born in a Hendersonville hospital uh, out of wedlock. And uh, in about three months, things got tough for them. And one idiot came to me. Dorian was three months on. You, some of you, he's been, he's come with me to hear church went back when he was two years old, three years old, four years old. And one idiot said, they need help. And I said, well, I met his father at the hospital. And she said, well, he's not helping anymore after three months. He's, uh, he said, I just don't have time to help with them because they never married. And uh, she said, we need to help. And I said, well, I, I'm a little bit worried about him. Uh, you know, he may not like that idea. And she said, well, if you're a Christian, you'll help. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so we became heavily involved with him. And took, I remember when he was 17 months old, we took him to, uh, to Montgomery. I was teaching a seminar down there for a week and we had him with us in the hotel in the motel and uh, the, the ladies went out to eat with 10 of the secretaries and the president's wife and he just won all of them over but anyways some of you remember him from being here uh ricky slaughter i just want to say a word about ricky ricky was a uh uh, in my youth group, and I helped Ricky seemed to get into a lot of scrapes and all. His dad was the uh, department chairman of, uh, of uh, at, uh, at uh, the PE and all that at uh, Lipscomb, and so Ricky and I became very very close. And uh, Ricky was a wonderful athlete. He played. Uh, I think he was number two on the tennis team when he was an eighth grader. Uh, he was going to be the future quarterback and all that, but. When he was 16, he, I think he was about 16, he took, went on a date one night with his dad's car. and uh, He was late getting home, and he was worried about that, so he was speeding on, uh, he was speeding on uh, 8th Avenue, Franklin Road, past a police car going the other way, so he speeded even more. And when he got to the governor's mansion, he tried to take a left turn uh, and turned over. Was, this was like 1 in the morning at... He was upside down all night in water. It was raining very hard, and he was in a ditch, and he had to hold his head up uh, to keep from drowning. And at 5 o'clock, somebody got up to go to work, and there he was, and ended up in a wheelchair. Very, very depressed, down the dumps, just really torn up. No, I had left there already, so I was the youth minister at that time. But uh, years later, I went and talked to him, and I, had, and I said, you know what you're doing? You need to play wheelchair tennis. And he did, and became number one in the world in wheelchair tennis. And he found Christ again. And this, this book, Paralyzed No More, I'm going to tap it up there, Paralyzed No More, My Journey Through Fear, From Fear to Faith, or Through Fear to Faith, uh, Ricky Slaughter. And again, a lot of people influenced him. A lot of people didn't know they were influencing him then. And Gail Barber, if you haven't read her book, Jerry, Jerry's wife, uh, Juanita, uh, had bought it from someone here. And I think it was, uh, uh, I think it was uh, Sandra Johnson, and read it. And again, that book will change your life. These books will change your life. Well, uh, Ephesians two ten eight. For all this is for all of us. It talks about being saved by grace in verse 8, 9. And then 
this statement is made, we are his workmanship. And most translations say workmanship here. Uh, the Greek word is poema, from which we get the word poem. We are his poem. We accept Christ. He begins to change our life. And God writes a poem by that. This translation I like best of all for this. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So God will take our life and will change that life. And then our life will change other people's life. And there's the, the Greek word uh, to God who, uh, who creates a poem for us. And so anyway, uh, Rock of Ages is one of my all-time favorite songs. And uh, Blake is going to lead that as our invitation song. But uh, there, there are some of the key words and phrases there. Uh, it, it's just, and again, we sing a lot of times that we don't pay any attention to the words. These words are unbelievably powerful. And you can see the ones there. And, and as you sing, the whole thing will come up on the screen. After, uh, after the song, uh, then uh, we'll have a few minutes, we hope. And after the song, uh, if there's somebody in this auditorium that you know has influenced you, but they don't know, been, you think they don't know, what, go shake their hand, go see them. Or when you get home, they pick up the phone and call somebody. Maybe it's a mom or a dad. Maybe it's someone. But somebody has uh, influenced you. And you don't always know that they've influenced you. So, Blake, it's yours. <laughs> 